This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. Today, we'll be talking about telehealth and telemedicine and all of those other terms. Now, there's a whole lot of terms to describe all of this. Founding member of the board of the Veterinary Virtual Care Association and Chief Commercial Officer at Fear Free, Bruce Truman. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing well. How about you? So it's telehealth, telemedicine, and what are some of the other terms? There's a bunch of them, aren't there? Teleadvice, teletriage. Um, the, the main word, virtual care, kind of rolls it all up under one umbrella, but there's a lot of different terms that are being used out there. And most of what you see is teleadvice or teletriage, meaning you're not, a veterinarian is not uh, diagnosing or prescribing, but they're providing simple advice or basic advice on the care of the pet to help the pet parent make a decision. Well, I think that's a good place to start, actually, because in most places around the country and every place around the country, every state anyway, is different, as I understand it. But in all 50 states, unlike for our own medicine, for human medicine, a veterinarian or veterinary technician or nurse cannot, as I understand it, diagnose per se in a virtual way. Am I right about that? You're you're right about that. Um, There's a state map that's on the VVCA, the Veterinary Virtual Care Association, there's a state map that may help um, many of our veterinary professionals out there, vbca.org. And it has a pull down menu where you can look at each individual state and what is allowed and what is not allowed. There are a handful of states right now that do allow for the establishment of that VCPR, that veterinary client patient relationship. There are a few states that allow it to be established remotely. But it's simple to say or easiest to say that a majority of the states in the U.S. do not allow that. But let's contrast that to physicians, where in 48 of the states in the U.S. that can be done and has been done for a number of years now. And I guess the secret sauce is having that VCPR, having that client-patient relationship. So if, let's say... Again, for most states, because every state is different, and I'm not going to have you go through all 50 here, I promise. But for most states, if that that is established, Bruce, so if I've been going to you as a veterinarian for 21 years, it is completely different than you've never heard of me before. And this is the first time that you've never even seen my pet. You've never, ever laid hands on my pet. You've never seen my face. Is that a very different answer as far as virtual care, virtual medicine, or virtual advice than, say, if a client-patient relationship has been established and maybe even established for many years? Yes, most states, you're correct, Steve. Most states want the veterinarian to see the pet and have physically examined them once a year. So as long as our, our veterinary practices have seen that client and patient, then they can prescribe and diagnose, generally speaking. You should always check with your state board, depending on which state you're in and who's listening to this, you should always check with your state board. But generally speaking, if you've seen that patient within the year, then you're fine. 
um, and you can take those phone calls, take those video calls and, and help that, that patient. And we'll talk in a moment about how you might be able to do that and do that in a way that is consistent with Fear Free. In fact, how it may support the Fear Free tenants uh, in, in just a moment, Bruce. But, but first, I want to ask you, uh, all right, so let's say I have that relationship with that veterinarian. And I, I've, that's already long established, as you talk about. And then I jump on a call, again, this very state to state, but is then the veterinary professional allowed to give me a different level of advice than, say, a veterinarian who's never, I just want to make this clear, a veterinary professional that's never seen me or my pet? Yes, there can be a different level of advice, so to speak. So what's going on most often in the market, especially with the large, I'll call them enterprise level providers, what's going on there is they're giving basic advice, or many times you'll hear the word decision support. So you're supporting that client and making a decision on what to do with their pet. That is very different from if you've seen that pet, you can take it to a whole nother level. Now, once again, Steve, this varies state by state. And some states, just to make it even more confusing, will say, hey, veterinarian, if you've seen that patient within one year, but now you're seeing them for a different issue, you have to physically examine them. So that's where it gets a little cloudy. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, if you've seen that patient then you can um, go beyond just decision support. You can actually go to the point of making a diagnosis and, if appropriate, prescribing. So to me, at the very beginning of the pandemic, previous to that, from that point previous to, say, five years, veterinary medicine, think of a mountain maybe, and the mountain climber slowly climbing that mountain to get to virtual care. And you point out, human medicine's been there not only at that point in time, but for years. But the veterinary mm-hmm. medicine was kind of getting there. It was slow. It was methodical. Then the pandemic hit. And then suddenly an elevator was taken, either halfway up the mountain, all the way up the mountain, depending on the state. Everything was different. But boom, boom. There was such an enormous boost. Have we fallen a little bit or are we still at that same place? Or does that too depend on the state you happen to live in? It depends on the state that you live in, but it also depends on how um, heavily the pandemic impacted your particular location. Uh, Some recent surveys that have been put out in the market, the AVMA did one where they saw a boost in uh, virtual care in practices of around 30%. So nobody likes change, but the pandemic did force that change. And curbside, you know, check-in is is common, was common during the pandemic. So practices had everybody wait in their cars and then either phone or text or use a, a telehealth platform, an app, to communicate with the clinic, but that not only was common during the pandemic, that's still going on. So some surveys that recently came out, I believe it was from VHMA, the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association, 
was looking at what's going on currently and what do you plan on doing in the future? And what we're hearing is that telehealth, aka virtual care, is going to stick around, not as much as what it was used during the pandemic, but a component of that, if we just look at curbside check-in, a lot of practices really like this curbside check-in and a lot of clients really like it. So from everyone that I'm speaking to, it looks like curbside's going to stick around um, for far longer. And especially when we have these new variants, right? It makes it even more important to continue social distancing and masking up. So that's going to stick around for a while longer. And many practices that have forced a change in their workflow due to the pandemic are just going to keep that workflow the same, meaning offering virtual appointments for those clients where it's appropriate and the client wants a virtual appointment, much like the appointment I made with my physician, where I was given the option of either doing the hour plus commute into New York City or doing a virtual appointment. And so you're seeing that option or choice presented more often now in veterinary clinics, especially the more progressive practices that are taking a look at their clients' needs. I think the millennial, Steve, has really talked about too much, but the millennial pet parent is changing the way veterinary clinics need to operate. You know, these millennials want price transparency. They want engagement and engagement can be facilitated through a virtual care interaction. Well, I actually don't think it's talked about too much because it is different. What in general, everyone's different, but in general, that is what the millennials want. They feel more comfortable actually communicating that way. And they are the most impactful generation ever. So because of the millennials saying, okay, this is what we want. This is most comfortable. The Gen Zers are saying the same thing. So now you've got two categories and the millennials own parents, depending on their parents. But to a great extent, some of those folks are more tech savvy than you might think. So all of those individuals, and that's a lot of people, are bunched into this group, a large group, that are saying, okay, we might actually prefer this. We might actually prefer curbside. We might actually prefer paying using our phones, you know, things that hadn't been thought about before the pandemic. Now, what might be some fear-free, if you will, advantages to using telehealth or virtual medicine? Sure. And I think that there are several. And I'd start out by saying that, you know, if the pet needs to see the veterinarian for a physical exam or a face-to-face, right, you always want to screen for that and determine that first. But keeping the pet in their home environment makes them so much more comfortable. So we're making that visit now virtual from the comfort of the pet's home, we're making that visit fear-free. Or another example, uh, many times brought up, especially with cats, right? Cats do not want to leave the house. And if we can give them an experience where they still have access to care, but where appropriate, it's virtual, that um, kitty cat is much more happy than, you know, taking a journey in the kennel to visit the veterinarian. Um, I've also been told by some of my um, veterinary colleagues that uh, things to do with behavior 
or things to do with like a, uh, a lameness that a pet may have, you bring them into the practice and because they're, they're a little nervous, right? They're out of their regular environment. You can't get them to manifest or display that behavior or that lameness. Well, at home, um, the pet parent can videotape the dog or cat in their normal environment and catch that behavior issue or capture that lameness and send that video to their veterinary practice so the doctor can take a look at it. So those are just a couple of examples right off the top of my head, how virtual care um, helps address fear, anxiety, and stress in pets. You know, I give those examples too, Bruce. I give those same exact examples and I'll go just a little bit further. So let's say you have a cat in your own home and you say, oh, my cat's acting normal. My cat's 15. My cat's going to be a little creaky anyway. The veterinary professional can look on the other end of the phone and watch that cat say, go up and down stairs. Oh, that cat is going up and down stairs. And the client says that my cat is going up and down stairs. There's no problem. But the veterinary professional can see that cat's going on kind of an angle. And I can tell you, even I can tell you exactly what that means. You know, that means that cat's hurting just because of yep. that. Or the cat's still jumping up on furniture and the veterinary professional says, uh, let me see that. And the cat does this little, I'm ready to go up. Okay, now I'm going up. That brief hesitation will tell someone like me, even, that that cat is in pain. Or that, I mean, that cat's hesitating for a reason. Now what that pain is, yeah, you may have to get hands on, right? With that cat, we're talking cats at the moment, but same thing for dogs, to know exactly what's mm -hmm. going on. It might not even be osteoarthritis, for example, which is the easy jump to, right? It might be intestinal pain of some kind, but nevertheless, that tell, and you could never, ever see that kind of thing, as you point out, in clinic. The other thing are behavior issues of all sorts of different kinds. It's one thing to actually see what's going on, uh, another is seizures. Boy, oh boy, videotape that seizure. And a veterinary, a veterinary neurologist who knows so much more than I do can break down, you know, there are different types of seizures, that much I know. And, and the solutions depend on the type of seizures. And in cats, they might not even easily be identified as a seizure, but turns out to be. And your telephone, and everyone has one of those now, can tell you all of that. Uh, um, and, and all of this, all of what I'm saying falls to me, and Bruce, you tell me if you agree, under the umbrella of fear-free very easily. Oh, absolutely it does. All of that falls under the umbrella of fear-free. And any way that we can find to make our pet's life uh, free of fear, the, the, the better it is. Virtual care fits, fits right into that. Um, you know, there's another emerging area that I really want all of our uh, veterinary professionals, pet professionals to keep an eye on, and that is remote patient monitoring. So using devices yep. to monitor the activity of that pet. That's, they're out there now, Steve, but they're going to get more and more um, detailed. The battery lives are going to extend even longer to the point where they can um, figure out changes in behavior from one week to the next or one month to the next that will help um, veterinarians be alerted to potential issues. Oh, I'm salivating about some of the products that are coming and some of the products that I know that are out there now. 
as a behavior consultant, right? Because we are then able to mm -hmm. track what's going on when we're not watching. Even cameras can do that. And what we're doing by what we're talking mm -hmm. about, I suppose, so we've got increasingly cameras that are watching our pets at home. They are increasingly less expensive than ever before. So more and more people are getting these cameras. And wow, what a great way to identify issues you otherwise might not notice. But to me, doing virtual care kind of puts one of those cameras into the home of your clients and gives you an opportunity that greatly veterinary professionals never thought about before. So if you have a technician, say, that's really interested in behavior, or maybe so some veterinarians do have a great interest in behavior, that takes time to work out and to deal with, and then to travel to the client's house. But maybe you can travel to the client's house virtually and solve that problem and take the time and charge for it in a virtual manner. D do you see all of this being part of our future? Absolutely, it's part of the future. And we're seeing it now with services that are going into the home with a credentialed veterinary nurse or technician to take um, blood, urine, or feces for lab results so the pet doesn't have to leave the home. We're seeing, I'm calling them, Steve, visiting veterinary nurse, but we're seeing businesses uh, that are beginning to be created where there's care that needs to be done at home for a pet that the owners may not be able to do adequately. So in New York City and in other locations, we're seeing these visiting nurses pop up to not only care for like major surgeries, but also to provide services that are more comfortable for the pet in the home. So even a simple nail trim, there's veterinary nurses that will go and will help you with those type of basic things that need to be done so you don't have to take your pet out of the house. We're going to see more and more of that coupled with the remote monitoring. And it's really all about access to care. So we've got more demanding pet parents now, higher expectations. Our pets are living longer because of the better care. And so their expectation is to have access to care in a variety of ways. So virtual care, visiting um, veterinary technician, th that we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah, it's the guy who walks around with the crystal ball, Bruce Truman, chief Commercial Officer for Fear Free, founding board member of the Veterinary Virtual Care Association. Thank you so much. I think that you offer great insight into what today looks like and what tomorrow will look like. Thank you so very much. Thank you. So if you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access new toolbox items, and you'll find all additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And, of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, welcome and learn more about the resources we have for you at fearfreehappyhomes.com. I'm Steve Dale. 